0: I wonder how many different kinds of transport you've ever used. Right, so you've all tried walking? Yep. Yep. Uh, How many ridden a horse? Yeah, quite a few ridden a horse. Okay. Been on a train? Yeah, been on a bus. Yeah, been on a plane? Yeah, quite a few. What else could you think? Cable car. Been on a cable car? Been on a sleigh? Sledge? Anything like that? Yep, quite a few. Anything else? Helicopter. Did somebody say? (laughs) Yeah, I've been on a helicopter, actually. Yeah, a few of us. Okay, anything? Seaplane. Okay. Cruise ship. ship. Oh, yeah. Ferry. Anybody with ferry? Sailing. Kayak. Anyone been in kayak? Canoe? Parachute. Parachute. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not trying that. (laughs) Pleasure (laughs) boat. (laughs) Boat. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Sorry, I couldn't hear. Glider, yes, actually I'd been in a glider too. That's a good one, yeah. I was so sick. Yeah, that was not good. Um, so lots. Of, is there something else? Tractor. You'd be. My grandson would be dead jealous. So this last week, Elspeth and I got away to Malon, Right, we drove there as it happens, and uh, yeah, that's the cove. Yep. Parked at the, uh, in Malham and walked some of the Pennine Way. And actually, we found the campsite where um, we'd stayed. I think this would be about 1979. It's before most of you were born, I realise. And uh, our very first visit to Malham. And we went with a couple of other friends and we hitchhiked there from Durham. And uh, hitchhiking how many of you have ever done hitchhiking? Yeah, there's a few. It's not. You hardly ever see it these days, do you? If you've watched that Race Across the World show, they do hitchhiking there. Um, I used to hitchhike a a fair amount. It's a really interesting way to travel. And the thing when you hitchhike is when you get in that car or van or lorry that belongs to someone else, that once you're on board, you go wherever they take their vehicle, yep. So uh, whatever happens to that vehicle happens to you. If they stop for a coffee, You stop. Uh, On one occasion the van I was in broke down. The driver was stuck, but so was I. And um, we were stuck together. Now what's this got to do with Colossians? We're going through the book of Colossians. Well today we have a passage... And uh, and I think it's inviting us to hitchhike with Jesus, to be joined to Christ. And uh, to be joined with him is a really, really good decision in life. There's lots of other things we can use. We're journeying through life. Walking's quite hard. It's sometimes great to hitch a lift, isn't it? And we can hitch a lift with some good things and some bad things. We might hitch a lift with drugs or illegal drugs or or with therapy or with getting a career or with... um, alcohol, or you might hitch a lift with all kinds of stuff that could be good or bad. But one thing I want to say is, Jesus Christ is coming along and he's saying, hitch a lift with me, come with me and I will do you good. And I want to recommend that because today, Christ is also inviting, as he is every day, every single one of us to say, yes, I want to go with you, Jesus. I want to lift with you and to uh, in the passage here today, get, kind of being joined to Christ, another way of speaking about that is being becoming mature in Christ. Becoming growing up into Christ, because it isn't just that you're in Christ hitching a lift. When you start walking with him, you grow and you become bigger. And this word mature that we'll read in the passage in a moment is the same word in the Greek for the word perfect or goal. So it's about being walking into your destiny, walking into what God has called you to, walking into God's purpose for your life. It's about joining other people, joining with other people in God's family as we walk into his goal for the human race on the earth. And so I want to draw out four things from the passage, four ways in which we become mature by being joined with Christ, and that's about being joined to Christ's cross, joined to Christ Joined to Christ's cause, joined to Christ's church. And I'm really hardly going to touch the last two. The first two are going to take the time. So let's read today's passage. It's from Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 to 29. And I'm going to use the New Living Translation for this reading. And then the NIV sometimes when I'm preaching. So he says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. The message was kept secret for centuries and generations past. But now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God also, perfect in their relationship to Christ or mature. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me amen we need his power we need his almighty power and we want to enter into the riches and the glory of Christ in our life I want to tell you this is the life that you want so first of all join to Christ's cross It starts in the NIV verse 24 now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. Wow, what words to say. I don't know whether you would want to take those on your lips. If you're considering turning to follow Jesus, you should know that way be dragons. It will not be easy. Love and faith don't make amazing things easy, but love and faith in Christ do make amazing things possible. And the afflictions Paul refers to here, because he says, I rejoice that I'm suffering for you. I fill up in my flesh what's still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. I'm thinking, whoa, I'm, do I want that life? Do you want, I don't know. I find it difficult. I've struggled, actually, in the week um, to preach about this. I thought I might skip this verse. Um, but I see, in fact, that was my plan. But it <laughs> kind of came back to me. So just to say here that the afflictions Paul refers to are not Christ's redemptive afflictions. There was nothing lacking about Christ's death on the cross. We just wanna say that, right? Paul's not saying, you know, there were so many kilotons of redemptive suffering to be endured to win salvation and that Jesus only carried about 93% of it on the cross. And so now, Paul, I'm trying to carry another percent or two and perhaps you could get a bit of it too that is not what is being said here. Just a couple of verses before in verses 21 and 22, uh, you can read there Paul talking about what Christ did for us on the cross. And it's quite clear, it's Jesus plus nothing that reconciles us to God. Hooray, right? You, there is nothing you need to do to earn God's love or to earn God's acceptance. You don't need to punish yourself. You don't need to do this. Some religious, some Christian religions where people hurt themselves or where uh, kind of sackcloth so, you know, they used to do that in the medieval times they'd wear sackcloth uh, and wear it for years at a time without washing it it would be filled with lice and all the rest it would be itchy and uncomfortable and they thought they needed to do this to punish themselves dear friends we absolutely do not have to do that and if we try to do such things we are insulting the sacrifice of Christ and saying it was not good enough and we are here today and we have sung today that his sacrifice is good enough it fulfills everything. You do not need to beat up on yourself. You do not need to be miserable. You need to come to Christ and ask for his forgiveness and enter into his joy, praise God, right? So um, so what is Paul getting at then when he's talking about afflictions here? And I believe he's aligning actually with what Jesus was got at, which we can read in the Gospels like Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Or the same verse but in the message version which is by Eugene Peterson, he, he puts it this way. Anyone who intends to come with me, in other words, I want to hitch with Jesus, has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Self-help is no help at all. Self-sacrifice is the way, my way, to finding yourself, your true self. Oh, Lord, help. We have such a calling we don't always want to embrace. Now, Jesus was not on the cross for his whole ministry. Neither are we but there are self-denials, there are untoward experiences that come our way, and this is the cross-shaped life. Now, just a slight detour here. Sadly, in the last 2,000 years, instead of enduring affliction patiently, the church has often afflicted others. I mean, there, there are endless stories of how the church has messed up in its witness. You know, I was talking to a guy once, and it came out that I was a church leader, and he just quipped straight off, oh, you're one of those kiddie fiddlers, are you? Like, I'm not, right? Um, but it's like, that there's been such scandals, right? And this has brought down the testimony of Christ in the world. What an absolute shame! That is not the way of Christ. May God heal all those that the church has abused, and may God forgive us in the church for all the abuse we we have brought in the world over the centuries. But you know, Jesus defeated wickedness and won followers by means of sacrifice, not coercion and violence. And Jesus' pattern of life gives us life mottoes, gives us scripts to live by, things like you know, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer." That's Romans 12:12. 12, 12. Or I tell you Jesus in Matthew 5:44 to45, I tell you, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. And so many others which we could talk about. This is the cross-shaped life we're called into. You know, I do think every one of us, um, that was my little detour coming back to the main thing, we, we, we all need to account for suffering and explain suffering in some way in the world. Whether you're an atheist, a Hindu, agnostic, Muslim, Christian, I don't know how you explain it. But in this letter here that we're reading, Paul switches from we to I in verse 24. He says, now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. I how does he say that? I rejoice in what I'm suffering. And it made me think of the Apostle James who says something very similar in chapter one of James's letter from verse two. Consider it pure joy, he says, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance and let perseverance finish its work so that you may be, here's the word again, mature and complete, not lacking anything. I'm not sure this is the path I want to travel but it is, two apostles have explained something here so I think I need to reckon with it. It seems like suffering is involved in developing in us the virtues that God wants to see in our life. James mentions perseverance. And, you know, as I thought about it, the, the, the virtues that I love in Dear Friends, virtues of fortitude, of unconquerable joy, of faithfulness, of honesty, loyalty, keeping promises being kind in the face of hatred, offering forgiveness, celebrating the success of others in doing something that we failed at, the ability to keep going when everything seems to be against us. You know, I thought about it, I'm not sure any of those virtues can be developed unless there was difficulty, unless there was challenge, unless there was affliction, And maybe that's what these apostles were aware of. Now afflictions can harm us, but they can also make us. I was talking with someone just before, I was getting so encouraged before the meeting began, the gathering began, uh, telling pretty dire stories about how life has come crashing down for this person, but saying that however low they've ever been, Jesus has always been there. I remember hearing someone say, I didn't know that Jesus was all I needed until Jesus was all I had. I'm not saying he takes us to that place often or always, but you need to know that Jesus is all you need. And the person told me the story that they'd, just recently, they were in this place where they really needed 1,800 pounds and they didn't know where it was going to come from but they were trusting God and they felt God prompt them to phone the tax office. They phoned at the taxman, gave their you know, unique tax reference, whatever it is, and the taxman said, oh, we owe you some money. We owe you 1,800 pounds. And, and you can say, oh, it's just coincidence. Really? No, that's God. That is Jesus. Get your Hitch your life to Jesus and you will find even in the times when there's affliction, he can meet with you and you grow, faith grows, character develops, you mature. So um, it's something, uh, now just a couple of things to say about this, listen carefully. Affliction can help us mature, but we never go seeking it deliberately. You hearing that? Nobody needs to go and whip themselves or,, like, you, know, wear sackcloth. We don't seek it out deliberately. I, I have a friend who was a paratrooper for many years, and I remember talking with him, and he said, "You, know, we train to live life really hard. He says, "If I need to, I can sleep in a ditch. But if I don't need to, I'll sleep in a bed." Yeah. <laughs> he says, "Right? <laughs> he doesn't deliberately sleep in a dish. He sleeps in a dish, if necessary. He said to me, "If necessary, I'll drink the water from the ditch, but if I can, I'm going to brew filter coffee." Yes. Right? He said, "I actually t- I had this. He had this little stainless steel kit, so he could, fill, and he took pouches of filter coffee. So if, at any, if at all possible, he could make himself filter coffee on a mission." Right? Christians don't try. Right? We don't deliberately try to get afflicted, but when it comes, we've learned to be content, whether with much or with little. That's what Paul said in a. In another letter, and second, uh, we Christians are called to relieve other people's sufferings and afflictions. We never take it upon ourselves to visit afflictions on others, thinking, "Oh, that'll be for their own good. That'll help mature them." That is not what we do. What a hateful attitude that would be! Um, So we're joined to Christ's cross. Just to James one two to four in the New Living Translation to wrap this section, dear brothers and sisters when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete. This word mature, needing nothing. So secondly, be joined to Christ. The passage talks about this. It says, uh, NIV, I've become its, that's the church's servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people, the saints is the the holy ones, is the word there. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. This word mystery is an interesting one, isn't it? There are uh, still today there are. Um, it's very common for there to be, um, you know, you think of the "Make America Great Again" and the QAnon conspiracy theories, the kind of secret knowledge, or Putin's propaganda that Ukraine is governed by Nazis. I mean, it's just odd, isn't it? It's just, or Andrew Tate's claim to tell boys the secrets to being a real man. You heard of Andrew Tate? This blogger. It's really a bad influence in the world. Or the theory there's a deep state, the blob, the cabal of civil servants obstructing government business. I mean, whether you agree or not with any of these things, the thing is, I almost certainly have a whole load of mistaken beliefs. That's right, there's one of them. (laughs) There's (laughs) two here. You know, I probably—it's funny—you can't see your own blind spots, your own crazy misbeliefs. You can always see them in other people, but you can't see them in yourself. Now, you see, in the ancient world also, that that people had these uh, had funny uh, beliefs. One of the reasons we believe the letter to Colossae was written was because of the influence of a growing philosophical idea called Gnosticism, and Gnosticism is from the Greek word for knowledge. And so they believed they had some special secret knowledge that was really important to know. And uh, you know, the Gnostics would have been on TikTok big time, I can assure you. They'd have been blogging and podcasting all their funny ideas, their secret ideas, and what have you. But Paul will have none of this nonsense. He takes that kind of word, mystery, and then says, hey, this mystery is now disclosed. He says, it's been made known, right? God." God's good message to the people on earth is not hidden. It's not been done in a corner. It is being propagated. It is made plain in the scripture for everyone to know. And that message is this, Christ in you, the hope of glory. That Christ is in you and you are in Christ, mature in Christ. It's a two-way thing. I don't know about you, but I've had several people in my life that have been really enriching to know. Uh, Dear Punjabi friend of many years, Pradeep Tala, his culture so rich compared to mine, so enriching to be around him, and he's a guy of such energy and joy and purpose. It's just wonderful to spend time with him. Do you have friends like that, people you've had that are just really special? Do you know Jesus is par excellence? Because Pradeep has his faults as well. But Jesus, you won't find any faults in And just a few verses before, which we was taught on a couple of weeks back, three weeks ago, I think it was, verse 15 to 20 of Colossians 1, Paul has described Jesus. I just want to read that description from the message. And while I read it, just think, this person can be in you. right? Christ in you, this person. We look at this son, Jesus, and see the God who cannot be seen. We look at this son and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it together like a head does a body. Verse 18 onwards, he was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he's supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so expansive, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms, get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies all because of his death, his blood that poured from the cross. Oh, yes. Do you know him? Is he in you? This is the person who lives in you. How wonderful is that? So when you turn to Christ and have Christ in you, secondly, you are in Christ. So he's in us and we're in him. It's, 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 a, it's wonderful. What does it mean? It means everything that's true about Jesus is all of tr- also true of us. Where he goes, you go. What has happened to him has happened to you. You know, when you land after a flight, have you ever heard them saying something like this? Uh, Take care when you open the overhead lockers because the bags might have moved during the flight. Have you ever heard them say, say that? And uh, and I always say to Elspeth, she's really fed up of this. I, I whisper to her, I whisper to her, I hope my bags have moved, or else they're still back at Leeds Bradford Airport. You see. and she goes, uh-huh, because I say it every time. It's like it's a broken record. But you see, everything that goes in the plane ends up where the plane goes. If you're in Christ. You have experienced what Christ says. And this is uh, this has be preached on in a week or two's time, so I don't want to preach at length on it, but in Colossians 2, Paul and Timothy describe what has happened to us because we are joined to Christ. So from verse 9 of chapter 2, for in Christ lives all the fullness of God in bodily form. This is the one who lives inside you. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. Verse 11, when you come to Christ... You were circumcised, not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. Verse 12, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptised, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins, and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Because we're in Christ, you are now dead. Right? You are dead to all those things that were charged against you. You're dead to having to sin. You are dead to everything of the past, and you are alive to Christ. These are wonderful truths to be enjoyed. Paul writes something very similar in Romans chapter 6, and he starts there by saying, Don't you know? This is something we really need to know. Don't you know? That you have been crucified with Christ, and you're now alive in Him, and you're guaranteed that when, when you in the future you will be resurrected just as He has been resurrected. Because everything that has happened to Christ either will happen to you, either has happened to you or will happen to you. All the riches of God are yours in Christ. He is our wisdom, our righteousness, and everything good. And in that Romans 6 passage, Paul finishes by saying you should also consider, it's an accounting word, count, reckon yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. I don't know if you use a banking app at all on your phone and, you, and maybe it's towards the end of the month. The money's, you know, the, um, you've got to the end of the month and the money hasn't got to the end of the month and you're looking uh, to see whether the benefits have come in or your pay and the money pops up sort of thing. Most of us probably don't, it can be a very good thing actually to just work on cash, because it's so visible. But most of us, it just we see the numbers there and we think, yeah, it's there. We count it to be there. We are to count ourselves to be dead in Christ. Count yourselves to be dead, but then alive in Christ. The old you is now dead. There is a new you, you've been born again. How are you to get Christ in you? Well, just ask him. When I did, I didn't particularly feel anything, but actually I realized then a few weeks later, goodness, I'm different. It's changed, I have changed. Other people have an amazing emotional experience. Well, God bless them that, it can be one or the other, but just ask him and God promises that anyone who comes to him, he'll never turn away. So ask him to come into your life. So, moving along, we are going to consider just very briefly the other two points. Um, Actually, look, I'll just tell you the story about Blaise Pascal. He's a very famous mathematician who died in 1662, and and, uh, he was running from God until he was 31 years old. But then on November the 23rd, 1654, at 10.30pm, he met God. And he had a very dramatic meeting with God. He was profoundly and unshakably converted to Christ. And he wrote down his experience on a piece of parchment and he sewed it into his coat. Because in those days, if you had a coat, that was the only coat you had and you had it all your life. And you probably left it to your you know, your descendants. And when he died, they found this parchment sewed into his coat and it said this, Year of Grace, 1654, Monday 23rd of November, Feast of St Clement, from about half past 10 at night to about half an hour after midnight, fire. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of philosophers and scholars, certitude, heartfelt joy, peace, God of Jesus Christ, God of Jesus Christ, my God and your God, joy, 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 tears of joy, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, may I never be separated from him. Now sometimes that sort of experience happens right at the beginning as we turn to Christ, but sometimes it comes later on, and some of us aren't that kind of feeling type. But God bless you, whether you feel anything or not, be joined, see to Christ's cause. Um, Just to say, I think trials and troubles, you know, are not the worst thing in life. Meaningless is far worse. Meaninglessness, is that a word? It's far worse. Mostly when we burn out. It's not that we run out of energy, it's we run out of meaning. You know, if you don't become a Christian, it's not like your life will be free of afflictions, but it will be emptier of meaning and purpose. So Paul reminds himself, yes, I've been called, I've got a commission, I have a stewardship from God for the church. And then second, the next one, the fourth point, join to Christ's church. I think it's... uh, I think the family of God is absolutely wonderful. Even though bad things happen in the church, I would rather be in the household of God than spend many years elsewhere. It's a good place to be. And I think the Oak Church is a good place to be. I think it's a lovely tree with lots of rich fruits. and um, So I have some take out, some, some follow up to suggest to you. Um, the so first one is if, if, if you have never done this before please today will you ask Jesus into your life will you ask for Christ in you and say I want to be in Christ please do that today and you might say I'm not quite sure how to do that well come and ask me after I could introduce you to somebody and we can show you or how about signing up for the Alpha course starting tomorrow night or there's one on Thursday morning is it so they're literally starting Alpha Courses, a fantastic introduction to Christianity used by all kinds of churches across the world. Literally, I would think tens of millions of people have done Alpha Courses in the last 20, 30 years. It's an incredibly useful introduction. My next suggestion for, 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 for you is this. Um, because we have many afflictions in life, and so it's the next slide, thank you, Tom which is to create a kind of chart of your life, showing the ups and downs. So I've, I'll give an example here. I just did a quick drawing. So you kind of do... The, the, the cross line is the t- the, the, your life up to now from when you were born. And then, um, positive, if it's above the line, it's a positive experience. If it's below the line, it was an unpleasant experience. And for this one, I've decided being born was positive, right? <laughs> People don't always feel that, actually, but you know, I did that. So, and then, so you can mark this up and down. Actually, a lot of life is probably more or less in the middle, but then occasional spikes up or down. Yeah. But it can be really good to sit down and do something like this. What are the ups and downs, and how did God shape me in the downs? What did I learn? What was it that happened? Got divorced. Had a miscarriage. Got 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 fired from my job. All kinds of stuff can happen. And there can be positive things, you know, birth of first child or, you know, got to sing at the coronation. Somebody did, didn't they? Stuff like this, yeah? But just log what these things happen and what you learn. See how you've been growing through these life experiences. Yeah? It's just an exercise to do do on your own. I'm not saying do it right now. Next, um, because I think Christ's body, to be in Christ is to be in Christ's body, and we are his body. Christ has been willing to have his name put on us. We're called Christians, little Christs. Why on earth he agreed to that, I just can't think. But he did. So here's a suggestion, use your Bible apple or your concordance. You know what a concordance is? It's a paper book that lists all the words in the Bible. You can find them. Find all the phrases in the New Testament where it says one another. It says things like bear with one another, forgive one another. Find all, there's about t- dozens or so of them. Find all of those, and then maybe pick one a week and say, I'm going to really go after that one, and let's be a blessing. Let's be in the body, joined to the body, Let's make it a richer experience. Let's take up our cross in that way. And then uh, uh, my f- the last thing is, um, why don't we this week try every day to say to ourselves, I am in Christ, Christ is in me. Right? I am in Christ, Christ is in me. I am dead to sin, I am alive to Christ. I, I am dead to sin, I am alive to Christ. You don't have to hitchhike with drugs or alcohol. You don't have to hitchhike with pornography. You don't have to hitchhike with all the, the rubbish in your life. The um, yep, you can hitchhike with Jesus. I am dead to sin. I am alive to Christ. Amen and amen. Would the band like to come up and? You could start some of those things right now, if you like, but otherwise, I invite you to stand. We're going to sing our songs of loving Jesus, celebrating how he is with us, so do please stand up.